Welcome to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. Our hope is that you are blessed and that your relationship with God continues to grow and flourish. The next voice that you'll hear will be that of Bishop Brown. Thank you for listening. Turn with me to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John. Meet me in chapter 1. Verse 40, John chapter 1, verse 40. Are you there yet? One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He, Andrew, brought him, Simon, to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas which means Peter or rock or stone. This is the word of God. Our God and our Father, we thank you for the written, spoken, and living word of God. Speak to us in such a way that when we shall have left this place, we will declare, did not our hearts burn within? Because he opened up the scriptures to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats with your Bibles open. Keep your shoes tied. We, we won't be, we won't be, we won't be long. There is a show that is a, a favorite of mine. Um, it has been uh, canceled. Want to ever see it? You have to watch reruns. Um, the show is called Leverage. Anybody familiar with that show? Great show. Um, what I love about the show, and I'm just going to give you this little synopsis of the show. Uh, Leverage follows a five-person team: a thief, a grifter, a hacker, and a retrieval specialist led by former insurance investigator Nathan Ford, who used their skills to carry out heists to fight corporate and governmental injustices inflicted on ordinary citizens. That's what it says in writing. Uh, the essence of the show, Leverage, is about this team of used-to-be criminals. Uh, they were all uh, involved in some kind of criminality. They would use their skills to uh, take advantage of corporations or governments or individuals. And uh, 
something happened to them. I don't really know what, but they, they changed their focus. Uh, they, they became convinced that if they utilized their skills, uh, they could do more good than they were doing harm before. And so you have these, these five personalities, each with their own set of sharpened skills, and they use their skills uh, to do good. Walk with me for just a moment. They were able to utilize not only their skills, but their relationships to accomplish the goals that were in harmony with their purpose. Consequently, they, they, they were able to secure millions of dollars for people who had been taken advantage of. They were able to um, secure relationships that had been ruptured. They were able to do good, uh, whereas once upon a time, they had done bad. And, 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 and as I was thinking about that show, uh, this idea came to me revolving around the theme leverage. Fact about it, there's a tagline of this theme that says, using your influences or influence for good. Every one of us has what is called a concentric circle of contact. You were born in all likelihood, now obviously, you know, there's always an exception to every rule, but you are likely born into a family. If it's anything like my family, it's full of dysfunction. You may as well say amen. Because if you don't say amen, that's going to indicate you might be the dysfunctional family member. So just say amen, look straight ahead, and we'll never know the difference. Um, we were born into families. We were born likely into a neighborhood where we had friends or we went to school at different levels where we uh, made friends and, and, and went to college and made friends. And even right now in your career, you have friends. You, uh, you joined a church and hopefully you have established friends. And the reality of life is, is that God put us and our uniqueness in specific groups that, that we alone have influence on those groups. I, I, let me say it like this. You have friends that you have influence with that I don't. I have friends that I have influence with that you don't. That doesn't make either one of us better or worse. It just, it is what it is. And, and what this premise of leverage is about is using the friends 
relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors using our influence with those people and in those spaces for good. Fact about it, if, you, if the graphic was up there, you would see that, that, that the word good is also contracted to say God. The, it's God's idea to have put you in the, the concentric circles that you're in. Our problem is we think we're in those relationships just for us. But the reality is, is that God put you into the family he put you into. He put you in the friend group you, you put you into. He put you in the, 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 the career or the job that you have. He put you in the fraternity or the sorority. He allowed you into whatever organization that you happen to be in, not just so you can have a good time, but so that you can use your influence, again, for good. Let me just ask you a question. When's the last time you told your family member about Jesus? I'll wait. When's the last time you said something to your, your friends? Certainly those that you know are not saved. And you know you know they're not saved. I'm not suggesting that just because they don't go to church or just because you do go to church means that they are, or you're, uh, that they are not saved or that you are saved. But I am suggesting that if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, if you have, uh, have traded in your hoopty of a life for his Bentley of a life, then uh, in, in gratitude, in response to his goodness to us, uh, we ought to uh, share him with others. I wish y'all would walk with me a little bit. The more you walk, the, 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 the shorter the time's going to be. I'm telling you right now, if you want to get lunch around brunch time, come on, get with this thing. Listen, the church's work of evangelism and discipleship must become our top priority in life. Oh, my God. See, see, see the, the, the enemy has, has led us into believing that life is about what I need, what I want, what I've got to have. But the reality is, is that God created me in the first place and then saved me in the first place to, to serve him and to bring pleasure and honor to him. My joy comes as a byproduct. And that might explain why maybe you've been saved, but you're still um, without joy. That could explain why you've got clothes, cars, cash, and, and, and creature comforts, and all kind of companions, but you're still the loneliest person in the room. Because when we don't put Jesus 
and his kingdom in its rightful place, when his agenda is not my agenda, then he cannot, will not release his peace. I wish I had somebody in the house that could testify like I can, who sat in church for decades restless. I know what it's like to, to, try, to, to try to fit in with, with, with others uh, with, with, who have a kingdom agenda, and I'm a spectator watching from the outside in. Um, evangelism means announcing the good news of Jesus Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension uh, I might also add, and returning, discipleship is the task of training believers to become mature followers of Christ, growing in their knowledge uh, of, growing in the knowledge of and love for and obedience to the Lord. That's an awkward sentence. Uh, and, and, so, and so we ought to at all points in our life, be engaged in both of those enterprises, evangelizing and discipling. It's amazing to me that Jesus, among the last words that he spoke before he ascended back to the Father, after he had given his life for the world, the last thing, one of the last things that Jesus said was, go and make disciples. He did not say go to church every Sunday. He did not say uh, 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 give X amount of dollars every week, although we know he, that's important to him. But the priority is to make disciples. Can I ask you another question? I'm going to ask it anyway. How engaged are you in the disciple-making process? Who are you discipling? I don't mean who you speak to on a Sunday morning during the fellowship hour. But who are you actively engaging in seeking to help somebody else grow in the knowledge of of Jesus Christ. It is, it, is, it is impossible to disciple someone if you're not a disciple. Yeah. One of the strange phenomena of, 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 of life to me is, um, you know Quincy Jones? Sure you do. Quincy Jones is perhaps one of, if not the greatest producer, certainly of our generation. He is a musical genius. Have you ever heard Quincy sing? Quincy can't sing. And, and, and it's just a, a, a rare phenomenon that somebody who can't hold a note can teach others how to hold a note. My point is, is that we are not spiritual Quincy Joneses. 
We have to be disciples in order to disciple. We have to be saved in order to be soul winners. How is it that we're trying to sell Christ when we haven't bought him? The term frangelism is one that I didn't come up with. It's been around for a while. But it means, in essence, to evangelize people through existing relationships. Hmm. Can I say that again? <laughs> it means to evangelize people through existing relationships. Whatever relationships you already have. Now, obviously, we already have relationships with people who are saved and likely who are also churched. But all of your friends ain't saved. All of your family is not saved nor churched. And can I tell you this? Hell is real. Can y'all say that with me? Hell is real. I was in the eighth grade, and I went to a school called Dee Dee Junior High, and um, had a friend that in the seventh grade, we were combative. Something happened over that year, and we became really good friends. His name was Julian Trevino. I'll never forget him. And uh, he and I, you know, when, when you had to change classes, we would, we would cut up and you know, uh, box fight, whatever. It was all in fun and all of that. And, uh, and I look forward to seeing him every day. And um, uh, one day I, I came to school uh, after a weekend. It might be Julian calling me. No. Uh, I, I came to school on, that, on the Monday after the weekend, and uh, I went to homeroom. For y'all who don't know what homeroom is, <laughs> I don't even know if they still have homeroom. Do they still? They don't have them. Oh, they do? Okay. I went to homeroom, and, and there were these two girls standing outside of the homeroom crying. And I'm walking in, what's wrong with y'all? And they said, uh, Terry, um, and these were two Latina girls, so they had a little accent. Terry, um, do you know Julie? That was his nickname. You know Julie? I said, yeah, I know Julie. They said, Julie killed himself over the weekend. He had gotten bad grades, and his mother showed up and embarrassed him at school. And uh, he went after school. That was Friday. He went after school and uh, hung himself with a water hose over a clothesline. A clothesline, for those of you who don't before washers and dryers. There was such a thing as a clothesline that required clothes pins. Y'all don't remember. He's, he's, he, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And 
it didn't, it, it bothered me, obviously, but it bothers me more now. Let me tell you why. I was unsaved then. And I can't help but to wonder, if I had been saved, would I have told Julia about Jesus? Because I honestly don't know if he knew the Lord. I knew he was Catholic. But I don't know anything about his relationship with God. I know he never tried to share Jesus with me. And so I have these kind of what ifs in my mind. What if some of the people that I have interacted with in life, if God has me in their lives to share Jesus Christ with them, and when I have refused to talk to Jesus about, or talk to them about Jesus. And I can tell you now, some people have died. I don't know if they're in hell right now. If it depended on me in many cases, uh, in hell they lifted their eyes. Blood is on my hands. What about you? Who, who, who are you living with right now that you've never talked to about Jesus? Who are you, who, who, who is in your wider family circle, your, 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 your aunties? Well, if you're from where I'm from, your aunties, your uncles, your cousins, your parents, your children. Who is in your family dynamic that you've never even brought up the subject of Jesus with. And you honestly do not know if they are saved. You know what's the only damper about heaven is that, number one, I know I'm going. But, 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 and I know I'm going to see Jesus and I know of the people I'm going to see. But, but I'm now thinking about the people I may never see there. And God had me in their path. And so, and so, and so leverage. How do we leverage relationships? I didn't say manipulate, but how do we use our influence for God? Well, I tell you what, I tell you what, I tell you what. Dr. Bill Bright, who was the 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 voice and the vision behind Campus Crusade, who developed the four spiritual laws and all of that. Dr. Bill Bright says, it's not that I believe Christians are lazy. Far from it. He says, no, there's, a, there's another problem. Christians are too quiet. Most Christians are closet Christians. Does anybody on, in your family know you're saved? They may know you go to church, but do they know you're saved? Anybody on your job know you're saved? This story that I read 
of Andrew. is one that that gives us a model that demonstrates how we can reach our friends, relatives, and acquaintances, acquaintances and neighbors for Christ. And I'm going to give you these three points, and, and, and I'm going to be out of your, out of your way. Um, you'll notice that, that in verse 40, um, I believe, in, at least in my Bible, for, follows verse 39. Is that? Uh-huh. And so in verse, in verse 39, in verse 39, um, I know there's a verse 39. Um, here we go. In verse 39, notice what, what's happening. Um, in fact, back up even to, to verse 38. Uh, let's go back all the way to verse 35. Notice what the script says. It says, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. This would be John Baptist. And he looked at Jesus, John did, as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. Of God. Can you imagine living in the day and age when Jesus would walk by and, 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 and you knew that he was the Messiah? And, and, and so here John is pointing his disciples, his followers, that he has been talking about the Messiah. He's now pointing them to the Messiah. And the scripture says in verse, 20, in verse 37, uh, the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. That's a picture of evangelism right there. It, look, he doesn't mention all of the New Testament scriptures. He doesn't start talking about the, 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 the big toe on the beast of Daniel. He doesn't go into soteriology and, and all of that. He simply says, behold, the Lamb of God. You know what our job is as believers? It is simply to point people to Jesus. You, look, you don't have to know everything about everything about him. Uh, just point people to him. How, how smart do you have to be to point? We point people to movies. We point people to games. We point people to this girl over here, that guy over there. We point people to people all the time. What's the deal that we won't point people to Jesus? Why is it that we're just waiting on, on, on Jesus to cause the fish to jump into our boats? We don't want to fish. We don't want to throw the line. We don't want to get a net and have to do the work. We just want to sit back and drive the boat and hope the fish just jump into the boat. Well, look, look. He says, behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Look at verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? You know why they asked that? Because they wanted to be where Jesus is. See, Jesus is the magnet. Jesus is the attraction. It is not me. It is not you. It is at best 
Jesus in us that, that gives us the, the capacity uh, to, to, to attract people, again, not to us, but to God in us. This same John, uh, when he was being interrogated by some other folk, and they were asking him, well, well are you uh, the Messiah? Are you? He said, no, I'm not him. We got to be careful uh, that we don't let people think that we think we are Jesus. Uh, he said to them, come and see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour, which is about 4 o'clock p.m. One of the two of John's disciples who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. I love Andrew because he's one of the unsung, as far as I'm concerned, heroes of the Bible, right? I mean, he's, he's Andrew. He's a, a Simon's brother. We don't know who's the oldest. Um, we do know that their name uh, uh, was Johnson. Oh, yeah. You've heard Jesus say Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar means son. Jonah is, you know, the, the antecedent, if you will, of what we in the Western world call Johnson. Simon and Andrew Johnson. See, you learned something today, didn't you? Look, watch this, watch this. I'm, 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 I'm pressing through because I got I to gotta get done. Um, uh, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So first of all, if you're going to share Christ with your family, uh, the first thing is you've got to have a personal conviction uh, of Jesus Christ. You've got to be clear uh, that Jesus is uh, who the Bible says he is. You can't be going there talking about, I, I, I want to share somebody with you. I'm not sure that he, that he is all that. No, you've got to know that you know that you sure enough know uh, who Jesus is. And it might be that the reason we don't share him more is because we ain't totally sure. But I don't know about you, beloved, but, but, but I know Jesus is the Savior. I, I know he's the Son of God because nobody but a God could have reached down to where I was and picked me up and turned me around. I, I look, I, I know. I know Jesus is real. I know he still has all power. I know he's God. Now, if you know he's God, how do you keep that to yourself? How do we keep him to ourselves? We recommend everything else. But we go silent when it comes to Jesus. No. Andrew had a deep conviction as to who Jesus was. And that it starts right there. If he's ever done anything for you, if he's changed your life, let me, let me add a, 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 another line to that. If he is changing your life, because I got to acknowledge, admit, and agree uh, that he's still got some work to do on me. Y'all got it together, I can tell. But he's still working on me. I'm not all I ought to be. 
I'm not all I used to be. Where is your conviction as to who Jesus is? See, and the thing is, is when we get up in here, we like to, we like to shout and praise God because the name of Jesus comes up and, 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 Jesus, you know, we're on safe ground up in here. Yeah. But what's your passion when you leave here and you get to the job or you get around the homies? Or you get around your family members yes, who can't stand church, preachers, pastors, or none of that. Yes, how, how, do you, how, how loud do you talk then? Uh-huh. How much you wave your hand then? Yes, so Simon, that, uh, uh, Andrew, has this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's followed him even to the place where Jesus was saved. He's committed to him. You can't shake him from his conviction. But guess what happened? The next verse says, and he first, speaking of Andrew, he first, what what does your Bible say? He first found who? His own brother. Before he talked to your brother, he went and found his brother. Before he talked to your sister, he talked to his brother. It's amazing how we can can have compassionate concern for for people around the world. You know, we we, we upset about the uh, 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 Israel-Palestinian conflict and all of that, as we should be. But what about the conflict going on with 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 your cousin? What, what about what's happening uh, with, with your relative that's strung out on something that you may have been strung out on too? Andrew goes and finds his brother. And guess what he says? Look, here, here I want to I understand this. He doesn't go churchy on him. He doesn't go all holy on him. He doesn't go preachy on him or judging him. You know, uh, uh, Simon had not met Jesus yet. Andrew had. But Andrew doesn't go pushing that in his face. Ah, you ain't saved yet. You're not like me. Come on, y'all know how we do. You're not like me. You're not where I am. You haven't arrived where I am. No. Andrew said, we have found the Messiah. Oh, my God. It it, it appears to me that that perhaps they had had some conversations. Peter and, and his brother Andrew, maybe they had had some conversations. They were Jews. And, and, and so naturally, uh, 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 prophecy has always pointed to the coming Messiah. Andrew says, the one we've been looking for, <laughs> I found. Oh, my God. Can I tell y'all something? Listen, everybody is looking for Jesus. Can I say that again? Everybody. Some are looking for him in the crack pipe. Some are looking for him uh, in the whole house. 
Some are looking for him in the gambling hall. Some are looking for him in every other area of life that we ain't supposed to be looking into. You know, ask me how I know. Because I was looking for him in the same. Can I, let's at least tell him he ain't there. He'll meet you there. He'll meet you right there. But he ain't in crack. When are we going to get it? That whatever we were delivered from and are being delivered from, uh, he wants to, he allowed us to go into that so that we can go back and get somebody else who's in the same spot and tell them, uh, come see a man. You got to have a personal conviction. You've got to have a passion for Christ. If you got a passion for Christ, that doesn't stop at the benediction. I remember growing up seeing people, some people in church shouting. And it's amazing how they shouted as long as people were looking. I'm not talking about everybody, but I, they, they would shout as long as they I remember this one fella. I almost called his name, but he could be your cousin. This one fella, I saw him with my own self eyes. He was shouting and crying. And, ah, ah, ah. All I'm saying is, this ain't nothing you turn on and turn off. If you can turn off your passion for Jesus, you need to go back and check to make sure that you got a relationship with him. All right. Um, uh, you got to, you got to, what was the first thing? You got to have a personal conviction. You've got to have a passion for him. And then, and then thirdly, let me go up here and look at this note right quick. I've been working out. I can climb these stairs. Look, look, look. There's a third, there's a third thing here that, um, yeah, you've got to prioritize sharing Christ. That's got to be your priority. And if it's not there right now, you've got to talk to the Lord and ask God to put this passion in your heart, in your spirit, because people are dying daily. And guess where they're going in many cases? They're going to hell. And guess whose hands has the blood? Would you stand with me? <sighs> Listen, beloved, I believe that we are, and I've said this before, we are in perhaps the darkest days of life on earth. It's, it's, it's spiraling out of control, not out of God's control, but it's chaos. There is only one answer, and that's Jesus Christ. And we have been left here to be light and salt. The only reason why God didn't snatch you up the moment you got saved 
is because he's got work for you to do. And your major work is not singing in the choir, is not deaconing on the board, is not preaching in the pulpit, is not ushering people in. Your major purpose is to make disciples. And the scripture says, of all nations. I, I, I got to cut off right now. I, I, there's so much more I got to talk about. But let me just ask you to answer this question. Are you saved? And if you are, can you biblically support why? I'm not talking about, well, you know, mom and him was at that church and I went with them and so... I'm not talking about, well, you know, I'm a nice guy, a nice young lady, and I love people. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be a people-loving person in hell if that's what you're basing it on. If you're saved, can you biblically support how you know you're saved Without a doubt. If you can't answer yes right there, would you, would you let me see your hand? No shame. I see your hand. God bless you. No shame here. This is the place to, to get the answer. If you cannot biblically support how you know you're saved. I'm not talking about I got a good feeling on the inside. But a biblical reason. I've seen one person raise their hand. Will somebody else just acknowledge, Pastor, I've been in church all my life. I can't tell you by, biblically how I know I'm saved. If that's you, let me see your hand. Don't, I see your hand. I see your hand. Somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody else. Don't play with this. Don't play with this. Don't play with this. I, I've been your pastor either three or 18 years, and I'm sorry I'm just now pressing it like this. But now is the time God has kept you alive and me alive for at least for me to tell you this. I'm not saying nobody else would or could or had. If you can't biblically support it, though, this is the most critical question you will ever answer. Because God, there are no, uh, what's the thing in golf that you get another try? There are no mulligans in life. Mulligans, you know, you get another shot at a swing that you hit. This is it. So you either get it straight now or, 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 or cross your fingers and hope for the best. And I'm going to tell you, that's, that's not a good strategy. Get this straight today. You don't know what life is going to bring you outside of these walls when you leave here. Our God and our Father, we thank you for the word that you've deposited. For the lives that you've already changed and I pray are about to change. For the fellowship that you've allowed us to enjoy. Now, Father, as we prepare to leave this place, we pray for traveling grace, angels of mercy, home protection. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of your wonderful Holy Spirit be with each of us now and forevermore. Let the people of God shout out loud, amen.
and praise be to God. Thank you for listening to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. We hope that you were blessed. If you would like to accept Christ, join our church, help continue the work we are doing in our ministries, watch live on Sundays, find us on social media, or give online, you can visit the link in the episode description. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.